right, so here's the deal. Here's how today's going to work. I-, I want you to picture your dinner plate from last night. Maybe you had a little lasagna, a little side salad, maybe some, uh, some veggie of some sort, whatever it is. That's how we're going to approach the show today. Because you got your main entree. The main entree is Michigan is playing in the national championship game. If you want to know where you should watch the game today, we got it for you. We've got two different quality places you can go catch the game tonight. If you want to know what's going on down in Houston, got you covered. We're going to take a look at the Michigan angle, the Washington angle. We've got it from every angle, all right? That's that's your prime rib. The side courses are some of the other stories that are making headlines today. And, and, and two in particular, two noteworthy pieces of news. And if you want to weigh in on any of it, we'll take open lines all day. 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. But I, 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 I think it's appropriate to talk Michigan today, but I don't want to exclude you if you want to hit on some other issues. So you've got carte blanche, all right? That's how we're going to approach it. So I, I, before we get into the Michigan stuff, we'll do that coming up in, in just a few minutes. Hobie Artig from Channel 4, a sports reporter there, will, will talk with us. He's in Houston, and we'll get to account what's going on, what Michigan's doing in preparation for, for the game tonight. But a big chunk of Michigan Republicans under the MIGOP umbrella held a vote Saturday to oust Congre- Chairwoman Christina Caramel from power. Nearly all of the 45 party representatives present voted to remove Caramo from power to the tune of 88 percent. Earlier today, Caramo was on with J.R. Morning and said that the vote wasn't lawful under the MIGOP's bylaws and says it was performative nonsense. You have said that uh, that this was illegitimate. You've cited party bylaws. Where is it in the bylaws that this was legitimate? It appears they had a quorum. Well, no, they didn't. Um, there's 107 voting members of the Michigan Republican Party, and a quorum is, designed, is defined by half of the members. And our bylaws do allow for proxy and proxy voting, but our bylaws also specify and define quorum. And for certain votes, like amending bylaws and removal of members, proxies aren't allowed to vote. And therefore, the quorum must be maintained by voting members, not proxy. So there's a lot of technicalities. In our bylaws, that the average listener is not aware of as to why this was an illegitimate gathering. So, I mean, these individuals can make any claims they want, but that it's not lawful what they've done. The meeting itself and the actual vote was just performative nonsense. But, you know, what's really sad is that Republican voters in Michigan are concerned about the future of this country, and these individuals are more concerned with internal power struggles. But so be it, but we will move forward to ensure that Republicans are successful in 2024. More on that story coming up with Marie Osborne in just a couple of minutes. Meanwhile, the White House says the administration will review what rules or procedures weren't followed when Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin failed to disclose his hospitalization for days to President Joe Biden. And top officials at the Pentagon and National Security Council say they are doing just that. Austin was hospitalized on New Year's Day. Pentagon officials didn't disclose the hospitalization until Friday. Now, the president and National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan say they were not aware of Austin's condition until Thursday. Now, when asked whether Biden will review what happened in this instance, National Security Council spokesman John Kirby said that today, 
uh, that they will review what happened to see if anything needs to be changed or modified so that they can learn from the situation. Kirby says the administration is focused on Austin's health, though. Our main focus right now is on Secretary Austin's health and uh, uh, making sure that he gets all the care and the support that he needs to uh, uh, to fully recover. That's the focus. Uh, and he has already resumed all his authorities. So it is there is an issue here that there is there is a lapse in either judgment from Lloyd Austin and his staff or lapse in policies and procedures. Either way, it is kind of unthinkable that Lloyd Austin can just, you know, be hospitalized and and he's not on the job. I, I think that is a serious problem. And And I, you know, I can respect the fact that the administration wants Lloyd Austin to stay and and I think the president has said that that he wouldn't even accept a Lloyd Austin uh, resignation if he tendered one. But the fact that this was able to happen or allowed to happen, I think, is 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 a real there. There's a hole in the game there. And, and I think that's something that absolutely needs to be looked at. And if somebody needs to be held to account, I think they they absolutely should be. Uh, meanwhile, Matthew Stafford coming back to Ford Field, he and the L.A. Rams will take on the Lions Sunday night, Sunday night football first home playoff game in many, many years. And of course, now the story writes itself. Matt Stafford coming back, Jared Goff tossed away by Sean McVay and the LA Rams organization. And, and, and now these two teams are going at it. it it's almost too perfect to write, but that's who the Lions draw in their first round playoff. And, and we will certainly talk about that more as the week progresses. Uh, meanwhile, as we touched on, members of the Michigan Republican State Committee voted to remove embattled state party chair Christina Caramo. But she says the meeting where the vote happened was null and void. WJR Senior News Analyst Marie Osborne takes a look at the latest in the continuing saga of who should lead the Michigan GOP. Good afternoon, Marie. Hi, Chris. We haven't figured it out. Christina Caramo took office 11 months ago, and she says the meeting that took place at a meeting hall in western Oakland County was not convened in accordance with the party's bylaws. She wasn't at the meeting and says an official authorized special state committee meeting is set for January 13th. Karamo telling the WJR Morning Show she does not accept the vote, saying she's the victim of people who've turned against her. Wow, it doesn't seem like a few. It seems like a lot. Well, the reality is it's not the majority of the committee. And secondarily, unfortunately, that's just the reality that we have these saboteurs. It's a story is, you know, Benedict Arnold, Caesar and Brutus. It's, it's an old story, but unfortunately, in politics, you have these types of individuals. You just have to proceed even to those challenges. Now, members who oppose Karamo's leadership say that they're concerned about the financial state of the GOP, Karamo's interference in county party business, and a lack of transparency. Those are all things that you've taught, covered many times here on your show, Chris. Karamo released a statement on Michigan GOP letterhead saying... I'm still here. Nothing has changed in terms of my commitment to my America First agenda and adding she has greater understanding, though, of who is sabotaging those very things from within our ranks, she says. Now, those who uh, tried to oust Karamo also released a statement. They also put it on official letterhead. uh, And they also said that Melinda Pago is the state party co-chair for Muskegon County. She's going to serve as the acting chair until a new one is selected. But, Chris, it looks like this is going to head to court. It's the only way, probably, 
that this is going to get figured out. First of all, we have not seen anything like this in Never. state politics no. with, with these two parties. Well, it's made national headlines. Well, of course it has, because it is incredibly dysfunctional. Yeah. And when you head into a presidential election with no money on hand, trying to sell your headquarters that you don't have stakes to, um, and, and you can't figure out whether or not you can oust your party chair or not, I mean, it is absolute madness. And and the fact that we still don't know who is now running the Michigan GOP is a problem. Well, she would argue with you on that. Point. Of course she would. She, you know, and you've talked to her several times mm-hmm. and she would argue with you on that, that she is still in charge of this, uh, this organization. But um, the people who uh, ousted her over the weekend, they they feel they have standing. Well, the, it will go to court um, and it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Because it, it's far from over. But th- there are those that, that are still supporting Christina Caramo. Absolutely. There, there are, are. There, there are those that still are looking at the direction she is taking this party. Um, and as she has told me, it, it, that this change doesn't just happen overnight. It's a long, arduous process. And it, you're going to, you know, you're going to ruffle some feathers along the way. But she feels like this is the direction the party needs to go. In the meantime, you know, time is of the essence. It <laughs> and, sure is. And so it just yeah. it feels like they're going to come up a little empty here. Well, you know, she's kind of made this out to be a struggle uh, between the old guard GOP and the new uh, the grassroots. I don't want, yeah, and... want to say renegade, but that's kind of what they are. You know, they they're they're here to shake things up. Mm-hmm. And that's how she's I mean, that's how this party has been split. Yeah. And that's how she's identified this. Mm, very interesting. Marie Osborne, thank you very much. Thank you. All right. We got to take a break. We'll get a, 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 a live look at what's happening in Houston as the University of Michigan sets to take on the Washington Huskies in the national championship game in college football tonight. All that and more as we continue here on JR Afternoon. All right, welcome back. Big day. Michigan in Houston to take on Washington for the national championship. And look, this doesn't come around very often. And I think we are we are entering a new era of college football where you are going to see much more parity thanks to the transfer portal, thanks to NIL deals, and the fact that schools and boosters can step up in a way, you're going to see less situations like Georgia, like Alabama, like Auburn, some of these southern blue bloods in the SEC where they're able to just hoard all the talent. Well, now schools are able to be competitive in a way they weren't before, and that's able to attract talent from all across the country in different ways, like the NIL, like the transfer portal. And and I think Michigan, in a in a way... They have built this roster and this team through some of those methods. Last year, having a lot of these guys come back after a second failed attempt in the college football playoff, using NIL to bring them and lure them back was a big win. Then you go to the transfer portal. You bring in some of these linemen, defensive ends, uh, defense or offensive tackles, and those have paid dividends for the Wolverines on the football field. So Michigan, in a way, is a byproduct of new age college football. And they were able to beat somebody like Alabama because of those tools that are now at their disposal. Well, as Michigan gets ready to kick things off, uh, Houston is a great town, lots of great food, and the place is just buzzing. Hobie Arteague is a reporter with WDIV Sports and joins us this afternoon. Hobie, it's good to have you. Hey, great to be here, Chris. Thanks for having me. You got it. it, it talk to me about the vibe down in Houston today. A lot of amazing blue around from walking around town. It's a little rainy outside right now, but people that I've talked to are still going out to tailgate. 
So, you know, uh, it's the national championship. You've got to throw it all out there, have a good time. A lot of maize and blue, but a lot of purple and gold, too, as two teams who have not won a championship in decades uh, get to square off here in, uh, in Texas. What's the, what's the vibe you're getting amongst Michigan fans? Are they confident? Are they, opti- are, they, are they optimistic that today could go their way? Is there some trepidation about facing Michael Panix Jr. and the, this group of, of NFL-caliber wide receivers? What's the, what's the vibe you're getting from fans down there? Nobody has said the word loss. I'll put it to you that way. Okay, fair. <laughs> I think after the last couple of years, and you mentioned it just in your open right there with so many players coming back. I talked to Mike Sainer still earlier this week, and he said, this is the type of game that we came back for. After what happened against Georgia in that Orange Bowl a few years ago, especially what happened against TCU in that Fiesta Bowl, this is a team that's really driven to want to go out and win it all and actually bring a championship to Michigan, something that hadn't been done in 26 years. And it's a big reason why they all returned on both sides of the ball. Defense, offense, Blake Corm, he didn't get to play in the playoff last year. Now, I think he's going to be a big key for the offense going into this one. Um, but the fan base? Very optimistic. They think that this is going to be the year, especially against this Washington team. Do the players feel like, you know, I don't make the direct comparisons to, you know, the C.J. Stroud and mm-hmm. and Jackson Smith and Jigba and Chris Olave and, and Garrett Wilson. Uh, that, that, that Ohio State team and those Ohio State teams were built in a way like Washington is, mm-hmm. where they've got a high-passing, a high-power passing attack, receivers that'll go make plays, and and they've got a run game that complements that. It's very similar to what they faced with with Ohio State. Do, do they feel like those games against Ohio State, that type of personnel, do they feel like that prepares them for a game against Michael Penix and company? Uh, I'll put it to you this way. Who won those games against those Ohio State teams? Right. <laughs> that's, how, that's how this Michigan defense feels. We were talking to them about it earlier this week. And they said, well, they're great and all, but we're also the number one scoring defense in the country. Overall, they've given up about 10.4 points per game. They've dominated all season. The game against Ohio State that they had, Marvin Harrison Jr. got his early in that game. But after that, they kind of locked down. And I think that this is a defense that the key to tonight for them is going to be getting pressure on Michael Penix Jr. You look at some of his stat lines. I was looking at his game log a couple of weeks ago. And I said, okay, what is the anomaly here? And the one different stat line that he had was against Arizona State. So I looked that game up. And they put pressure on him all night long. He had no touchdown passes, two interceptions in that game. I think that's going to be the key for the Michigan defense. Yes, on the back end, uh, they're going to have to play some lockdown coverage with Will Johnson, Rod Moore, guys like that on the back end. But up front, they're going to have to get pressure on Michael Penix Jr. and force him to move off of his spot because that is when he is most dangerous. Uh, Washington does feature the Joe Murrow offensive line of the year. Uh-huh. Michigan in 2021, 2022 also won that award. It didn't get them very much because they were bounced in the, in the first round of the college football playoff. D- does, does this offense feel, or the, the, rather this defense feel like they can be opportunistic and, and force Michael Penix into a box and make some bad throws? I believe so because you look at the pressure that they can create. You look at what they did in the first half against Alabama last week. They pressured Jalen Milroe the entire first half, five sacks in that first half. They were aggressive in that first half, and I think that that's what needs to continue tonight because in that second half, they backed off a little bit, and Milroe was able to run. Granted, this is going to be an entirely different quarterback in Michael mm-hmm. Penix Jr. who's going to use his arm, left-handed quarterback, by the way, so does that throw an extra element into the equation? Um, but this is a, a defensive front that feels like if they can create that pressure, that that is going to set the tone to win this game. You know, the, the other thing that, that strikes me about this team is there is no there is no moment too big 
And no. and last week, I mean, I think, you know, chips to the middle of the table. They had to make a drive late in that game, four minutes left. Their offense had been stagnant in the second half. And and they had to make they had to put a drive together mm-hmm. that was gonna get it done. And there was some some gambling done, Jim Harbaugh going forward on fourth down deep in their own their own zone. And and it all paid off. And JJ McCarthy stepped up and made some really big plays. Blake Corum, obviously, in overtime. But but it, it just feels like this team has built itself in a way that they are not worried about the moment. It's not too big for them. And if there is that adversity in game, which surely there will be, um, they're able to to maneuver and and make it work for them. And what told me on that drive? So so here, let me set the stage for you. So after Alabama kicked that field goal to take an even bigger lead in that game over at the Rose Bowl, we walked from the press box down to the field. And while I was walking down, I thought to myself, this is when we're going to find out what this team is made of. Is this the same team as the last few years who makes it to the national semifinal only to get knocked out early once again for the third straight year? I said that to myself, and I was like, okay, let's see what they got on this last drive. And they put something together. McCarthy took over that game. He took over that game, and then Blake Corum finished it. I think that for tonight, McCarthy has to play a clean game. You look at the last few games. Granted, that first play, that was the near pick against Alabama. That Take that off the table. But you look at the last three games against Alabama, against Iowa, against Ohio State, he didn't make any mistakes. He has to play a clean game today. And I think that the way that Michigan can also run the ball with getting pressure on Penix on defense, on offense, put the ball in Blake Corum's hands. Let him run. Let him in that offensive line, create some gaps, find some big gains, gains, and kind of bleed the clock out a little bit because sometimes the best defense is keeping their offense off of the field at times. And that could be the recipe for success tonight if Michigan wants to bring back that national championship. All right, here's where I want you to call me crazy if you think I'm nuts. <laughs> Michael Penix last week in the semifinal game against Texas threw for 430 yards. That is an unsustainable winning model as Texas had a late drive to, to, to darn near win the thing. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see a scenario where Michael Penix is able to throw for 430 yards on this defense in back-to-back games. I, I think that's an unsustainable model. I don't know that Washington has the horses on the defensive front to stop Michigan's running attack. And I think that you're going to see a big game out of Michigan's tight ends. And and this is where uh, this is where I think that Washington is going to have a lot of trouble offensively. The tight ends get into the mix. You're going to see some play action to Blake Corum and and I think McCarthy uses his legs more than at any other point in this yeah. season. They throw try to throw a couple of new wrinkles. Their offensive and defensive coordinators have been elite play callers over the last four weeks, and it just it just feels like Washington isn't going to be able to make enough stops and score enough points in critical situations. Am I nuts? No, you're not. You're not at all because I think that this is – everybody wants to say, well, Michigan's defense hasn't faced an offense like this one yet this year. Well, you could conversely say the same thing, that Washington has not faced Michigan's defense and and how stingy they've been all season Defense? They play in the Pac-12. What defense do they play in the (laughs) Pac-12? Good point, but especially whenever you're putting up 30-something points a game. But but to your point on offense, if they can just get this thing rolling, and especially to the tight ends, you brought that up, if they can get Colson Loveland some catches, if they can get A.J. Barter some catches, those two had relatively very quiet games in that Rose Bowl. It was all about mm-hmm. everything else. That's new wrinkles that they could throw out there with Sharon Moore leading the way on this offense. Um, that might be the recipe for success, too. If you can just run the ball, play the short passing game, and again, like you said, with J.J. McCarthy using his legs, that's something we have not seen a lot of. 
But we were talking to Alabama players last week, and they were well aware. They, I, I talked to uh, Dallas Turner, Alabama's linebacker, and he said mm-hmm. he put uh, McCarthy's ability to use his leg in the same mold as a guy like Jane Daniels yeah. at LSU. Yeah. So he said we're aware of it. We know it can happen, but that's something re- McCarthy really didn't do last week. So that's another wrinkle Washington has to prepare for. I'll be RT at Channel 4. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll talk again soon. Appreciate it, Chris. Thank you for your time. Yeah, you got it. Got to take a break. More next. All right, so if you want to weigh in on on this game tonight, if you're a Michigan fan, if you hate Michigan, and you want to call in and hate on them, you want to tell me they're going to lose by 50, I'd love to hear from you. 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. And look, the way that we're going about today is is very simple. I don't want to neglect the couple of big stories that I think interest you. And if you're interested, you can weigh in on those two. Christina Karamo was voted out of the MIGOP as chair this weekend, but she says, uh-uh, not only am I not going anywhere, the vote wasn't even lawful under the MIGOP bylaws. So that's there for you. And then the power struggle of the Michigan GOP continues. Also, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin just just didn't tell anybody when he went to the hospital on New Year's Day. And he's 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 been gone for a few days and he's back to work now, but nobody knew. And you've got John Kirby saying, well, we're going to take a look at at what happened, what needs to be done. If there's something in the procedures or protocols that need to be updated to make sure that, that this doesn't happen again. Um and while I'm I'm happy to hear Lloyd Austin is his health is improving and and he's back on the job that's that's great news, um, but that's not a position I'd like to just have our our representative just go you know missing from. So if you want to weigh in on either of those things that are there for you too, but if you want to make a prediction on the Michigan game, good, bad, uh, ugly, uh, indifferent, whatever, we'll take those calls too. Eight hundred eight five nine zero nine five seven. It would be great to go to the game. Um, but I think most people are going to be watching it from home. Brian, uh, you will be, what, watching it, not watching it? What time does it start? 7.45. I'll probably be in bed. Okay, Brian will be asleep. Let me ask you this. What can we do to make you interested in this game? What what would what would do it for you? I Nothing. don't know. Nothing. I'm not sure you could. Bev will be watching. Okay. Bev is, in, Bev All is right. interested, so she's with you. All right. 100%. But th- this is just... It's college football. You're just not into it. No, if it's if it's, I'm not. I, first of all, I'm not a sports guy. You yeah, know this. No, you're not a sports guy. I know guy. you like to make fun of me. About I'm going to try. Here, <laughs> my goal is mm-hmm. by the the end of this show, not this show today. My run here at WJR, <laughs> whenever that is, if it's a week from now or thirty years from now, I'm going to get you to be a sports fan. I will. I will sit and watch some sports. I like to watch hockey. You like high lie, but I don't understand the rules. Yep. That's the problem with football, it, mm-hmm. and it, and I'd hate the uh, we hit together, and then we stop for fifteen minutes. <laughs> oh yeah, and there's then a we lot of that. hit together, and it's like so. Yeah. Bev loves to watch it, and there's a lot of screaming in our living room. But I'm usually reading a book, and it's like, what happened? Oh, okay, good for them. I, I don't know. I don't get the subtleties in the rules. You probably have a nice flat screen TV. Yeah. at home, nice oh, yeah. big flat screen oh, yeah. HD TV. Mm-hmm. Um, those are great. Yeah, to watch sporting events on. But you know, it's probably better. What? Is watching oh, it yeah. on like a fifty-five foot t- screen, like you're there. Yeah, that, 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 that takes the broadcast up a little bit. Well, <laughs> imagine theaters are doing just that; they are airing the game at their locations 
on the movie theater screens, and it is going to be absolutely awesome. Paul Glantz, the co-founder and chair of Imagine Entertainment, joins us. Paulie, it's good to have you. Thank you, Chris. And by the way, I am not missing an action. You are not. No, you are not missing an action. We we uh, we, we knew you would be here for us. Tell me, well, what what is what is this? Uh, what was this about? How did you decide that this was this was the play to, to broadcast it at the theaters? Well, Chris, we finally uh, were able to obtain the licensing rights, and so that's what facilitates this. But to be candid with you, this goes back 25 years. And it goes back to when we first opened what is now the current incarnation of Imagine Theaters. We had a six-screen, brand-new theater up in Bertrand, and we opened on May 23, 1997. Now, a week thereafter, I'll bet a number of your listeners know what, what transpired. The Red Wings won the, their Stanley Cup for the first time in 42 years. Mm -hmm. And so you could have shot a cannon through that theater and not hit a soul. I literally cried going home that night because I was personally guaranteeing $3.5 million worth of debt. There's nobody in there because everybody's focused on hockey. So guess what? The following year we committed, we're going to be sure people want to see sports, we're going to show sports. And we've been doing it ever since. I mean, look, it's a genius plan and a genius business model. And it's obviously worked very well for you. What's the feedback you get from people? Oh, people love it. You know, um, ultimately, what we're talking about is a congregate activity. And, and I think you nailed it. People want to be with other fans to, to cheer on the team. And, and it's very expensive to go. I mean, my word, if you look at what the airplane tickets cost and the, mm -hmm. and the tickets to actually attend the game, you have to be wealthy to go to the game. And, uh, and this is a way to democratize but still allow that congregate feeling of being with other fans and to watch the game. Well, and it's not a movie theater experience, right? Because you don't have to be quiet. There's going to be cheering. There's going to be hooting and hollering. There'll probably be some some uh, some unsavory words that <laughs> that are said during the game. <laughs> but but look, it, it, that's the that's the experience you're cultivating, and and I think it's awesome that Imagine Theaters does this. Where where, where can people go? Is it at all the theaters? Where 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 is this at? Well, we've got in Saline, Royal Oak, Rochester Hills, Novi, Canton, Macomb, uh, Palladium in Birmingham, Woodhaven. Um, we've got it up in Saginaw and in two locations in Indiana. Wow. And, and look, here's the other part. The, 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 one of the benefits of watching sports from home is, you know, the, the, the screens have improved drastically over even the last 10 years. And you've got your own bathroom. You've got uh, access to snacks. Well, it all applies here, too is is you've got great facilities, you've got top-class uh, concessions, and you've got uh, enormous screens to watch the game. I have to imagine people are, th are thrilled when big games like this come up. They are. In fact, uh, in our Novi location, you know, they'll be looking at it on a 94-foot screen. And I don't care how big <laughs> your TV is at home. It's not 94 feet wide. <laughs> no. No, it isn't. Um, so what's the cost here for people that want to go? It's twenty bucks. Wow, awesome! It, it it is absolutely awesome. And and what's the what what if somebody wants to buy a ticket and head to the game? What what can they expect when they go to the theater? Well, they can expect us to clean up after them first and foremost. Love because, it because uh, all the things you you know noted are positives. But uh, but in our case, we clean up after you. And yes, it is hooting and hollering. It is not a quiet movie going experience. So uh, be prepared, which I think everyone will be. But we're going to be serving some terrific drink specials. We're going to be serving uh, wonderful snacks. And we're going to clean up after you. And uh, 
Uh, I don't mind telling you, we're rooting for a Wolverine victory. No doubt about it. Paul Glantz, good to talk with you, my friend. Happy New Year to you, and uh, we'll talk again very soon. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate it. Yeah, you got it. That's Paul Glantz at Imagine Entertainment. Um, and look, I, I, I do. I believe that that there are there's a couple different ways to skin a cat. Obviously, if you can go to the game, that's the best way. But if you want a, an experience, you know, similar to like a bar almost, except it's a lot cleaner in a lot of <laughs> in a lot of cases. Uh, so you head on over to Imagine. You can check it out there. Twenty bucks a ticket, and you've got in Novi. What was it? A ninety five foot screen? It's it's unbelievable. Drink specials, the whole concession uh, offerings for you, and it's a wonderful way to watch a game. Uh, and and I would encourage uh, that if you want to check it out that way. All right, we got to take a break. Coming up on the other side, we'll we'll catch up with the sports director of WTKA in Ann Arbor, our sister station. They broadcast, yet you guessed it, Michigan Athletics. We'll talk about it with them. They are live in Houston as we get you ready for the national championship game tonight from Houston, Michigan and Washington. We've got to take a break. More next on JR Afternoon. All right, getting you ready for Michigan, 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 Washington. Tonight, National Championship live from Houston. And look, uh, locally, I mean, if you can't be at the game, the next best thing is try to find a place to be at where where other Michigan fans are and you have a good time. Or you commiserate together. It's the 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 the, the the nice and bad part of sports. Um, and there are a lot of different options. Obviously, you can head on over to Imagine and watch the game there. We'll give you another option coming up in, in just a little while. But but there are ways to enjoy this game with other fans at awesome spots. And uh, you have a couple drinks, you get something to eat, and and you have a nice time with this national championship game. Michael is in Arkansas. He's got some thoughts. What's up, Michael? Hey, guys. How are you? I'm good, man. What's going on? Good. Well, listen, so I'm from Fayetteville, Arkansas, but I drove about 800 miles to come up here and see the game with other Michigan fans. I'm going with my brother in Lansing, and I grew up in Flint. So I grew up a Michigan fan, go blue, go Wolverines, and I drove up here yesterday, left Fayetteville, Arkansas, not a good, not a good season for the Razorbacks, but drove up here yesterday. I'm up here today, going to go see the game tonight at a theater in Lansing. Good for you, man. That's awesome. When did you move down to Arkansas? Oh, uh, I moved there about 30 years ago. Oh, so you've so been, I've been, you've I've been, been in Arkansas. Yeah, I've been there for a long time. Yeah, so. I had a cousin that played college hockey at Arkansas uh, just a few years ago. College, ho- college, college hockey, hockey. Okay. at Arkansas. Yeah. yeah. We do have a- we do have we do have a hockey team down there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't call it you know hockey central, but uh, he had a lot of fun. Oh. He loved the Razorbacks, so that's great. Michael, yeah. enjoy the game, well, go man. Blue. Go blue, Michigan by ten. Go All blue. right, Take there care. it is, Michael, with the definitive the definitive uh, stamp on that one. Uh, meanwhile, our sister station WTKA is down in Houston. Ira Weintraub, the sports director, joins us. Ira, it's good to have you. Great to be here from high atop NRG Stadium, staring out at a very empty field and an empty stadium that in a few hours is going to be very raucous. Are, are we starting to see some some activity in the stadium, though, at, at uh, just about 10 to 3? 
Yeah, outside the stadium, even though it's windy and they're worried about some maybe potential bad weather later on, that shouldn't affect the game. But their fans are definitely coming in. You're hearing dogs barking for the, you know, <laughs> and Go Blues going and all that. Inside is still pretty quiet. Some media kind of doing what I'm going to do in a little bit, which is take a lap around the field and just check out the playing service and go down because that's a great opportunity before the game to walk the field. Other than that, it's actually, this is the ultimate quiet before the storm. So you've spent a, 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 a lot of time around this team, and, and it seems like the chemical makeup is they will not be rattled uh, no matter what is thrown at them, and a lot has been thrown at them this year. With Jim Harbaugh's first uh, three-game suspension handed down by the university, um, and then the, obviously the, the, the sign-stealing allegations that broke midway through the season, and then another uh, Jim Harbaugh s- a suspension, but they have continued to maintain a, a steady calm about this team because it, it seems from the outside looking in, they are very aware of what they're capable of. We saw it last week in the Rose Bowl. What, what are your impressions post-Rose Bowl leading up to, to the championship game of this team? I think the Rose Bowl just kind of confirmed what we know is that the team is different, right? Like, you know, in years past, you know, in the, in the down years, especially of Michigan football, they get, you know, kicked a little bit, you get punched in the face. How do you respond? They folded every time. And we just got used to it. And it was unfortunate and it was depressing as a fan. This team is built different. They've been kicked to the face. They've been punched. All the different analogies you want to use. And they have the resilience uh, factor is just phenomenal for this team. It's the chemistry. It's the leadership. It's, I mean, they're really just good kids on this team. And all that kind of comes together. Yeah, and they and they're really talented. So you have all those things come together, create a perfect storm, and set yourself up for a chance to play for the national championship. In this era of college football, the, the, the gone are the days of you know school loyalty to a certain extent, where now we're starting to see more and more kids transfer for NIL deals or moving around because they don't like their playing situation. This team, I mean, their, their, their obvious affection for their university is is so obvious based on the way that they speak, based on the way that they play. Um, it, do you find that unique, and, and is that almost like a, a superpower for them in a in almost a college football era gone by? Well, it took them a little bit of work. If you guys think back to that dreadful 2020 COVID season and you look at the list of players that transferred out, there were some talented players that transferred out, but if you list, talk to the coaches, you talk to other players on the team, they'll tell you guys that transferred out weren't a fit. And I was having this conversation last night. You have to, to play at Michigan, you have to be really talented and you have to fit. It can't be one or the other, right? You can't just be super talented, but you don't fit. Those guys hurt teams. They are, end up being, you know, problems in the locker room, et cetera. And you can't just be a great fit because you got to have enough talent to play at Michigan. And Jim has done an amazing job of finding those guys, his coaching staff, of coaching these guys up. But there is something to be said about it's a very unique culture. Yeah, in this day and age, there'll be players that transfer out, mainly guys that, as they get older and they graduate, want to play. And you mm-hmm. understand that guys that have gotten past over want to play and sure. get that opportunity. But there is a unique sense with this team. And it, you'll see it along the offensive line. There are young guys that they get recruited over through the transfer portal. And then the younger guys stay, and then they're ready to play as juniors and seniors. And it's they kind of embrace the process. And they seem to really relish in it. And if you don't, you're not going to be a fit here or, you know, with Michigan. And they found a way in the last few years to finally find that perfect combination of coaches and players and that right fit of everybody to come together. All right, I want to get your thoughts on the game. Michael Penix Jr. last week threw for 430 yards, and Texas still had a chance to win that that game at the end of the game. That, to me, seems like an unsustainable model. Michigan does have experience facing high-powered quarterbacks and a high-powered receiving group. Um, Do those 
lessons learned and games played against Ohio State uh, help them at all in tonight's game? And and I just I don't know that this offense has seen a defense like this. And I just feel like I feel like Washington's have going to have a difficult time on both sides of the ball tonight. Yeah, so Washington hasn't faced a top 60 defense in, in most analytic numbers, right? So, and Michigan in the last, you know, five games has played four top 10 defenses, just to get, you know, the comparison. I do think that Washington has, is going to see a whole bunch of stuff they've never seen. Just go back to what Marvin Harrison Jr. said after the Ohio State game. He's like, I got coverages against me I've never seen before. Jesse Minner's throwing NFL defenses, NFL coverages on these guys, and it's not like they have to come up with a game plan in a week. Because the game plan they used last year against Ohio State and C.J. Stroud, the game plan they used two years ago against Ohio State and C.J. Stroud, there's a lot of carryover into this game. And so I think the preparations, all the Ohio State drills, all the things that they've done to prepare to beat Ohio State has built them to beat a team like Washington because there are a lot of similarities, Stroud and Penix and the receivers on the outside and you know a good running game. And I do think that when all is said and done, I don't think Washington, although their offensive line is talented, they're, I don't know if they have seen anything quite like that Michigan defensive front, which is bring body after body after body after you. And that at some point should wear down Washington and give Michigan the chance to win the game. All right. Uh, Who is the one player that we're talking about tomorrow after this game? Good, bad, right, wrong. Who's the, who's the guy on this Michigan team that we're talking about tomorrow? I mean, the, the easy, obvious answers on offense is that you're going to be talking about J.J. McCarthy and Blake Corum because J.J. needs to cook a little bit in order to win a game, especially if it gets into somewhat of a shootout. The quarterback's going to have to make plays. But at the same time, Washington hasn't faced a running game like Michigan's, and if Blake Corum can do what Blake Corum is able to do like he did last week when he broke that run right, for the big score late in the game, it's those two guys on offense and defensively, I don't like a pick a name. Yeah. I would just say the defensive front. Like they yeah. rotate, you know, yeah. seven, eight, nine guys, and it could be Derek Moore, it could be Josiah Stewart, it yeah. could be Braden McGregor, it could be Mason Grant, they it could got be a, Kenneth Grant. They got a ton of playmakers on that side of the ball. I will Ryan Traub on WTK. Thanks for the time, man. Have yourself a wonderful time down in Houston. All right, three o'clock hour. And we're getting you ready for the Michigan championship game tonight. Michigan, Washington doing battle from Houston. For it all. And and look, I um we're gonna continue talking about it. We're gonna give you a look at the Mich- the Washington perspective with Chris Fetters, uh the editor in chief of dogman.com uh with the uh in Seattle. But but I I, I do want to give you some opportunities to talk about some other things. And obviously, um if you want to weigh in on the Michigan stuff, you want to call in and give me a prediction. If you're a Michigan fan, if you're a Michigan State fan, and you want to call and yell, it's there for you. Uh, and 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 look, the other part in this too is the sign stealing allegations continue to hang all over this team, this athletic department, this university's head. And while it was never a realistic possibility that Michigan wasn't going to be able to play in these playoffs, um there are those that still talk about whether or not Michigan should have an asterisk next to their name if they win the game tonight. So that's there for you, too. Oh, and I'll, oh by the way, um, there's a very real possibility that Jim Harbaugh may walk away. Jim Harbaugh, if courted and, and offered by the NFL, may take an NFL head coaching job. And Lord knows there's going to be plenty of those open. So I I... I think there's a lot of storylines tonight that are worth following, whether you're a Michigan fan or not. And it just so happens that this is still one of the, the biggest universities in in the country, in the world, 
uh, and they are playing college football in the national championship game tonight. So that continues to be, be the main course. If you want some alternatives, let me offer you up this. A big chunk of the Michigan Republican Party, they held a vote on Saturday to oust Chairwoman Christina Caramo. The Republican State Committee, about 45 people showed up out of over a little over 100. Nearly all of them voted to, to remove her from power. 88% of them voted to remove her from power. Now, earlier today, Christina Caramo was on with J.R. Morning. She said that the vote wasn't lawful under the MIGOP's bylaws and says that it was instead just performative nonsense. You have said that... Uh, that this was illegitimate. You've cited party bylaws. Where is it in the bylaws that this was legitimate? It appears they had a quorum. Well, no, they didn't. Um, There's 107 voting members of the Michigan Republican Party, and a quorum is is defined by half of the members. And our bylaws do allow for proxy and proxy voting, but our bylaws also specify and define quorum. And for certain votes, like amending bylaws and removal of members, Proxies aren't allowed to vote, and therefore the quorum must be maintained by voting members, not proxies. So there's a lot of technicalities in our bylaws that the average listener is not aware of as to why this was an illegitimate gathering. So, I mean, these individuals can make any claims they want, but that it's not lawful what they've done. The meeting itself and the actual vote was just a performative nonsense, but you know, what's really sad is that Republican voters in Michigan are concerned about the future of this country, and these individuals are more concerned with internal power struggles. But so be it, but we will move forward to ensure that Republicans are successful in 2024. Another story that I find absolutely unbelievable, the White House investigating and reviewing what rules and procedures weren't followed when Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin failed to disclose that he was hospitalized for days after President Joe Biden and top officials at the Pentagon uh, said that they didn't know he wasn't working or wasn't available. He was hospitalized on New Year's Day, and Pentagon officials said that they did not di- disclose to the public that he was gone until Friday. I-, I think that is pretty shocking when you look at the president and Jake Sullivan, the national security advisor, who says they were not aware of Austin's condition until Thursday. Now, John Kirby who is the National Security Council spokesman, says that they are going to review what happened in this instance. But the president will not accept uh, a resignation letter from John Kirby. John Kirby does not expect to resign at all. And so now um, they're going to try to figure out what happened. And and while it's I'm happy John Kirby's or excuse me, uh, Lloyd Austin is is on the road to recovery, it sounds like um, something wasn't followed here. And I think that there is a there is a hole in the game and there is a hole that needs to be patched. Um, speaking of a hole that needs to be patched, the missing part of the Alaska Airlines aircraft that blew off mid-flight has been found in a backyard in Portland. The discovery was made as the investigation into why the incident happened and hundreds of MAX 9 planes are grounded. WJR Senior News Analyst Marie Osborne joins us with the very latest. Hi, Marie. Hi there, Chris. Let's first start with that part that was found. A school teacher in Oregon reached out to the National Transportation Safety Board saying that he found that missing piece of the Boeing 737 MAX 9, a fuselage door plug, they call it, in his backyard. 
If the incident happened on Friday after the aircraft took off from Portland. It was headed to Ontario, California. By Saturday, the FAA had ordered all Boeing 737 MAX 9 aircraft to be grounded, this primarily affecting two airlines, Alaska and United, affecting about 171 Boeing aircraft. Mandatory inspections are underway. They're happening right now. It has also been uh, revealed that there had been reports from airline crews of a pressurization warning light going off on three recent flights. That led to those planes being banned from long flights over water. That problem was being investigated when Friday's incident happened. Officials say the plane's black boxes are right now being examined, the crews being interviewed. The investigation continues. The plane has not been used very long. They had been delivered last November. Passengers report absolute terror on board when this part blew off the plane. Nobody was sitting next to where the door blew out, thank goodness. Uh, But passengers nearby had their phones sucked out of their hands. One man had his shirt ripped off. The incident blew the cockpit door open, causing one of the pilots to lose his headset. They need that, by the way, for landing. Headsets were detached from seats. Seat backs went missing. Oxygen masks were uh, deployed. It was very terrifying. Everybody, though, thankfully exited the plane safely when it landed. And Chris, door plugs are used to fill emergency exits that are not needed because the plane is configured with fewer than the maximum possible number of seats. So here's, I mean, like, let's take it step by step here. Everybody on that plane, from the videos that I've seen, very calm. Yeah. And it allowed the crew to do the work, the pilots to, to do their job in landing that plane as soon as possible. What was the amount of time? I think I saw 13 minutes, 15 minutes, 19 yeah. minutes, something like that, where by the time that door blew, that hole blew open, they were down on the ground. And yeah. they were reaching cruising speed or cruising altitude, altitude right? They were at 10,000 feet. Okay. Cruising altitude is usually about 30,000 30. feet. And I, I saw one interview with someone saying if this had been at 30,000 feet, uh, this might would have been a disaster. Yeah, it would have been an utter disaster. So at 10,000 feet, at least they had a chance. Uh, and everybody followed directions. And you know, I don't know how you live through 13 minutes of that. I, we know how long one minute is in this business, yeah. right? 60 seconds, we know. So now it all turns to the investigation of yeah. these planes. And, mm-hmm. and and this is where, you know, you, you mentioned the other three planes that were grounded uh, because of the, the, of the alerts that they were getting from the, from the aircrafts. But but it's it's when you think about the grand scheme of things of what these planes are able to do and the type of alerts that they give off i mean this is why it's important that no stone gets unturned so what even if you're at a location you got to fly home and you want to get on the plane you want to get home if there's a mechanical issue or failure or something that needs to be looked at like just remember there's a reason for it oh. and, and and it's safety generally 99.9% of the time Safety first, absolutely. And, you know, there's also this criticism that's kind of percolating, percolating up. The FAA, um, it's the a primary uh, regulator for Boeing, okay? They're the ones who oversee Boeing. But um, a lot of people are saying they've been given too much freedom to regulate uh, themselves. The industry has been mm. allowed too much freedom to regulate itself uh, during the certification process. So they might be taking another look at that. You know, the other part, too, is these aircrafts are so unbelievable. 
I'm 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 a little I didn't first of all I didn't know that these patches existed. Me neither. I didn't know that was a thing. You would Me never neither. know because no. once you put the paneling over it, you would never know. Right. It's it's I'm surprised that's allowed because that is a you know it, it may not technically be, but there is a there that's a weakness mm-hmm. in the plane. Right. Um, it's not a continuous body, and there is a weakness there. So I'm surprised that that would be allowed. Obviously, it failed here. Um, and thank you're right. Thank God nobody was sitting in that seat. Oh, well, thank yeah. God nobody was sitting in that seat. Right. It was because bad who enough. knows? I mean, really, if people are getting their shirts, you know, ripped off of them yeah. and fu- you don't know what could have happened in that case. So well, thank God that nobody was sitting there. Yeah. My husband uh, mentioned he because our daughter flies a lot with our grandson, mm-hmm. our daughter and son-in-law fly a lot with our grandson. And he said, imagine if they'd had the baby. There, and, right. there and you you can relate to that yeah because she i'm sure just sits she, them on her yes on because her he's under two right yep. now so, so i mean we, yeah. yeah yeah no it's it's scary so stuff that you don't even want to think about that no. but um this is now i mean there's several avenues of investigation right now again the black boxes the crews are being investigated uh boeing is being investigated obviously for construction on this plane so there's several things that they're looking at um but i'm with you i never knew that these they call them uh plugs yeah plugs. i never knew that and you wouldn't. Yeah. You would not know. Marie Osborne, thank you very much. Thank you. All right, we got to take a break. Uh, more coming up next. We'll get a, a Washington perspective on what this team looks like. The chance you've not seen them play yet. Uh, we'll get you a, kind of a, a scouting report on what the Huskies do next on JR Afternoon. By the way, just a, an interesting connection here. A couple of names to keep in mind tonight. Now, you probably won't see Giles Jackson as much, but he's a former Michigan Wolverine now playing for the Huskies. Also, Jeremy Bernard, a former Michigan State wideout, does a lot of really good things for for Washington. You will also see him uh, in purple and gold uh, tonight as well. Uh, there's no doubt. I mean, regionality matters here, right? I think when you see your team play, you know, 14 games and you see the type of success they had, there's no doubt that there's a certain level of confidence and, and it's no exception here. If you're on in, in the Midwest, uh, you've seen a lot of Michigan. You, you probably feel like Michigan uh, has a really good shot to win tonight. If you live uh, out on the West coast, uh, particularly in the Northwest um, you've seen Michael Penix carve up more defenses that you can count. And he's thrown for 4,600 yards this year. This guy is off the charts, and, and certainly you remember him from his time at Indiana as well. But but he has a cast of characters on offense that really help make the wheels turn for that Washington offense and to help us break it all down. Chris Fetters is the editor-in-chief of Dogman.com out in the Seattle area, and he joins us. Chris, it's great to have you. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right, well, let's start with Michael Penix because he is the most dynamic player on the field when when the Huskies are on offense. This is a guy that when when we saw him here in the Big Ten was a lot more mobile, but he just couldn't stay healthy at Indiana. And while he is still a dual threat threat, Michael Penix has developed into a really excellent packet a, a, a pocket passer. Talk to me a little bit about the season Michael Penix has had and, and how he's developed over the course of 14 games. Yeah, I think everyone in the Big Ten probably saw the potential that Penix had when he was at Indiana when healthy. Um, no, he's already played Michigan when he was at Indiana and, be, and beat them when he was with the Hoosiers. And 
And so there's, there's that backstory. But I think when you really talk about this particular season with Washington and what he was able to build on from the 2022 season, which was ridiculously productive for him uh, because it was the first season he'd been able to play an entire season healthy, uh, play all 13 games. So, you know, he, he was able to build off that by becoming a lot more of a vocal leader, mm. a guy that would actually, you know, they'll, they'll, you know, between like the third and fourth quarters, for instance, they'll get together and they'll huddle up. And sometimes it's the entire team that'll huddle up depending on the, the game and the situation. And when he's in the middle of that, it's like uh, I told those guys back in the day, it's like the old E.F. Hutton commercials, man. When, when he talks, everyone listens. Mm. And everyone is paying attention to what he has to say. And so he's added that piece. Kalen DeBoer and Ryan Grubb have talked about that key element being the real part of how Michael Penix Jr. has been able to take that next step in his evolution as he becomes – more ready to be a guy that will be able to, to lead NFL teams. And so I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens post game and in the weeks and months to come as the draft day comes to, uh, comes to us and, and we find out a little bit more about how teams are scouting him and seeing what kind of intangibles he brings. Because ultimately, when it comes down to it, the only knock against Michael Penix Jr. at this point in terms of not only being a phenomenal uh, college player, number two in the Heisman voting, but also a phenomenal NFL player is his health. That's the only knock on him at this point. And if he can prove to people that he's got some, some, some miles left on those tires, sure. so to speak, then I think he's got every opportunity to be a top 10 draft pick come uh, first round. Speaking of health, Dylan Johnson's health in question, it sounds like he's going to give it a go tonight. He, he it looks like he re reaggravated that, that leg injury in the Texas game. What's his status? Do you know? Yeah. It's something that's been bothering him all season. It's the reason why he didn't play a bunch until basically midway through the season mm-hmm. still became a thousand yard rusher. Crazily yeah. enough, he didn't play hardly at all. If at all, like in the first three, four games, um, so it's like they can run offense if, if he's not there. I mean, they've shown they can do it. They can use Tybo Rogers. They can use Will Nixon. They can, they can even use a guy like Jeremy Bernard in those type of situations if they need be. And they've shown with passes to the flats and the screen game and some, you know, those could be kind of extended handoffs that they need to generate some time of a run game. But losing Dylan Johnson would be huge in this game for Washington. He, what he does not only in terms of, his running style, getting getting yards after the carry, um, his stuff in the in the red zone, you know, getting touchdowns through really really tough runs, and then also uh, is really undersung as a pass protection guy. He has been huge in being able to help uh, keep Michael Penix clean, his jersey clean. Um, so losing that aspect of it would be huge for Washington tonight. Uh, we've been told he's going to give it a go. Mm-hmm. Um, he's Probably not going to be 100%. I don't think he could be after what everyone saw last Monday. But at the same time, we know this kid's a warrior. I mean, he's worked too hard to get this far. He's, he's got to finish this thing, and he knows it more than anybody. I think what I would suspect is that we're going to know that first run mm-hmm. within the first five seconds, whether he's feeling good enough to really give this thing a serious go or whether they're going to have to rely a lot more on guys like like Rodgers and, and Nixon. You, you also, you, you, those watching the game tonight are going to hear Odunze, Polk, McMillan, and Bernard a lot. It's an elite wide receiver room, and, and when you when you have somebody that can hit a keyhole from 40 yards off his back foot, 
um, it is a dangerous offense. Defensively, they're, they are a, a different unit. Um, they haven't played, I don't believe, a top 60 off or, excuse me, offense yet. Um, what, what does the defense need to do tonight in order for, for the Huskies to really be uh, impactful on that side of the ball? Well, it's become cliche because everyone's talking about it, but Washington's got to stop that run attack first, right? Yeah. They've got to be able to, to bow up at the line of scrimmage and, and take on that strong uh, Michigan offensive line. I mean, we're talking about an offensive line at Michigan that was the two-time Joe Moore award winner the previous two years before Washington won it this year. So it's it's one of those things where everyone knows Jim Harbaugh loves to, to lean on that run, lead, uh, loves to lean on those big uglies. I mean, we saw it at Stanford. He did it to, to great effect with power and counter. Mm-hmm. I remember the year after Harbaugh left Stanford and David Shaw took over with basically the same offense and Andrew Luck that uh, Washington put 65 or Washington got uh, put up 65 on him mm-hmm. from Stanford. I mean, they just literally ran power counter all night and Washington couldn't stop it. So we know what Jim Harbaugh is capable of doing. You know, Steve Sarkeesian wanted to be more balanced. So he got away a little bit more from a run game that I thought was being really productive in sure. the Sugar Bowl. I don't think that will be a problem for Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh spies an opportunity to pound it down Washington's throat yep. and Corm and Edwards and everyone else. He's going to keep doing it the, until Washington can show that they can stop him. Kalen DeBoer is a wonderful coach, obviously spent some time at Eastern Michigan University with Chris Creighton and his staff. Uh, it, this Washington team is legit. They're a lot of fun to watch, and I think this is going to be a wonderful game tonight. you have any thoughts on the score? Yeah, I don't remember what my prediction. I think I had Washington by three or so. I yeah. think I'm, I think I'm picking the under because I do think Michigan is going to be able to ball control a lot more than than maybe Texas was yeah. able to. I don't think they're going to be able to stop Washington completely. Sure, but at the same time, it's you know, when you see the number yeah. one, number two teams in the country with with how close it's, these guys are matched up, it is a slugfest. It's a slugfest. Chris Fetters, thanks for the time. Have fun tonight. All right, getting you ready for the game tonight. The national championship game from Houston, Michigan, Washington. Um, Score thoughts, predictions, anything that you want to weigh in on the game, we're we're welcome to to take those calls. 800-859-0957. Dave is in Rochester. What's up, David? Hey, Chris, you brought up a good point. I'll certainly be rooting for Michigan. Okay. And I think that what went, but I think that national championship will have an asterisk. Okay. Wow. Uh, I think someone brought up. I think. Uh, <clears throat> I think uh, even though their their victory tonight over the Washington State Cougars, led by uh, Ryan Leaf, it's going to be impressive. Twenty-one sixteen, <laughs> I predict. Nebraska, Nebraska Cornhuskers, come on. Thirteen and zero, their margin of victory. They're going to get a co-championship, I bet, in the in the coaches' poll. Yeah, and it's going to be and great. Deserve at least that. They got four. They got four top twenty teams. They beaten thirty point margin. Michigan's got Penn State, Ohio State, and uh, tonight's Washington State Cougar victory. Dave so, is think, Dave is stuck in nineteen ninety seven. What? What year is this? We we got to get you out of neutral, my man. I just woke up for a sleep. What year? At, what year are we in? <laughs> uh, different. Well, here's the crazy news: it's just a different Washington team this time. Oh, oh, okay. So you don't have Brian Greasy and Anthony Thomas and Charles Woodson? No, nope. no, nope, whole different cast. 
future NFL Hall of Famer Ryan Leaf. Well, there's a couple of those on the on the, that'll be on the field, but Ryan Leaf won't be. Oh, okay, my bad then. All right, David. So what what asterisk were you talking about? Uh, if if there should be an asterisk next to Michigan's name if they win the title because of the sign stealing allegations. Oh, sign stealing. Yeah. Well. I think I think the fact that they couldn't have been sign stealing for the last what six games or so. Mm-hmm. That's true. <laughs> I think that pretty well wipes that one off the map. Uh, doesn't I it? would agree, David. Thank you. Enjoy the game tonight. Appreciate you. Eight hundred eight five nine zero nine five seven eight hundred eight five nine zero WJR. Uh, some inclement weather down in the Houston area tonight. It's got to put a damper in things a little bit. But if you are there, you are probably having a good time depending on uh, good weather or not. Uh, Joe Hansen is an alum. We talked to him last week. He was getting ready to go down. Well, now he is in Houston. Uh, and he joins us once again. Joe, it's good to have you back. Um, what's the vibe down there today? It's electric. It's a go blue electric time. Yay! Uh, well, what's the, well, I, I hear it's uh, a little rainy, a little windy today. But you know what? It's been off and on. Um, we went to the Johnson Space Center to uh, spend the morning. And, you know, we came in after watch, after going through the space shuttle and it poured. And then two minutes later, it was fine. Mm. A couple minutes ago, it was pouring. And now we're sitting here at What's a Burger <laughs> ready to go in for lunch. And then uh, it's it's fine right now. And we just hope that we can park the car, get to the stadium before it pours again. Um, you, I, I'm surprised you were able to do something else today. I, 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 I thought maybe we, we, you know, you'd be a nervous ball of energy for tonight. Well, I think it helped, actually, you know, <laughs> yeah, because I right. was I was a nervous ball of energy. But, you know, going through the Space Center and doing other things. Um, you know, and seeing other Michigan alums or Michigan fans, let's say, uh, because we are just here in full force. And even an Ohio State fan who was there um, noticed that. And he actually wished Michigan good luck. I thought, well, that's a switch. Oh, that's why the weather's so bad. <laughs> that, that makes a lot of sense. Hey, Joe, Joe, what's the what's the, the ratio of Michigan fans to Washington fans, do you think? Just uh, you're, you're, you you're a man think? amongst towns. What's what's the number, do you believe? Oh, what would you eight think? To eight to one. Eight to one? Did wow. you hear that? Oh, yeah. Eight to one. And, and we heard that the price of the tickets has gone down because Washington just isn't traveling, and so they were dumping their tickets on the market. Oh, my goodness gracious. Well, see, you should have sold when it was high. Yeah, <laughs> Joe. Uh, no, I, I appreciate uh, the the check in. Enjoy the game tonight. Uh, have a nice lunch, and uh, and I I I hope that uh, you have a nice one tonight. All right, I hope we do too. We're we're uh, we're hoping for it. We're bleeding maize and blue. Maize and blue. Oh, oh, blue. All right, thank you, fellas. Joe Henson down in in Houston. Appreciate it. Have yourself a wonderful time tonight. Uh, let's go to Tom in Ann Arbor. He wants to check in. What's up, Tommy? Well, I think uh, Harbaugh needs to buy that uh, offensive center for Alabama, the best steak dinner around. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if Michigan would be in there if that center knew how to snap a ball. You know, the, the entire game he was snapping it down by Milrose's uh, ankles, and, you know, or Alabama was driving the ball, and then he hiked it past him, and they lost like 30 yards twice in a row. Tom, Tom, so. I got to tell you, that's not just unique to that game. I've been watching Alabama all year, 
and and that center has had trouble all year. I mean, yeah, if you go back to the Auburn game, look, now we're going to get nerdy. But the reason that Alabama had to come back against Auburn is because of a bad snap. It was like fourth and forever. And that's why that pass to uh, in, in that Auburn game was so long because the, the center couldn't snap the ball. Yeah, I know. I know. That's why I say that Michigan's lucky they're in there. If it wasn't for that center, I think they, they would be. He had the, the entire game was down. He was picking up by his ankles the entire wow. game. Wondering, you know, it was like a ground ball to him, you know, to him every every hike. I thought, well, he's at Ohio State now, so that'll help them out. That's right. Yeah, we're, we'll take that as well. Uh, Tom, yeah. do you have any okay. thoughts for the, the game tonight? Any score predictions? Where are you at on it? I think uh, Washington's going to beat them. I don't think Michigan's secondary is going to hold up. I think, uh, you know, I, I had a I had a laugh with that governor for Washington said to uh, uh, Whitmer. He said uh, after the game, uh, you're going to have to uh, Michigan's going to have to fix the damn secondary. He told her. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Hey Tom, I appreciate it, man. Have fun watching the game tonight. Um, yeah, look, I. Uh, we can break it down a little bit. We'll do it with Steve Courtney coming up next. But, you know, this is a good matchup. And I think if you're Michigan, you would rather be playing Washington than Texas. All right? I'll 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 just throw that out there. So I think it's a more favorable matchup for, for Michigan. Now, yes, I think that when you look at where these two teams are in the rankings, I think they're appropriate. I think Michigan is number one. I think Washington is number two. And I, I will tell you this. As good as Michael Penix is, they have not faced a defense like Michigan. They have not faced a front seven like Michigan all year. They haven't faced a secondary like Michigan all year. And while, um, you know, Tom in Ann Arbor says he does, he's not sure that Michigan's secondary is going to be able to hold up, I would I would disagree. And Michael Penix throwing for 300 or 430 yards last week against Texas, and they still almost lost the game. I mean, that's an unsustainable model. I mean, you can't expect to throw for 400 yards a game um, in these types of, of matchups. So I would, just, I would just say that the more complete team is Michigan. Now, where does, where does Washington have an advantage? Certainly at the quarterback position. I mean, Michael Penix Jr. is unbelievable. I mean, and he has gotten so much better from his time at Indiana. Um, and I think a little bit, their, their, their offensive line is a very good offensive line. But again, they have not faced a defense like Michigan and their, and their pass rush and their, and their ability to get to the passer. So I think it's going to be a fun one tonight. I'll give you my prediction for the game coming up. Steve Courtney will join me. Um, we did talk a little bit about uh, where you can watch the game tonight. Imagine is a great spot. 20 bucks a ticket. Uh, if you want to go to their website, you can check out where exactly, uh, what locations they're offering the game. But um, look, any bar, any place where you can go and, and watch a game with fellow fans, it's a great atmosphere. It's a great atmosphere. And we were talking, we were getting ready to talk to the folks at the, the Brown Jug in Ann Arbor and, uh, and and obviously they're busy. We've tried them four times. All right, it rings at least ten times. Yeah, then goes the voicemail. Well, we booked them later or earlier I this morning. Talked to them about eleven o'clock. Yep, and he said they've been open since about eight. Yep, and it was packed. Packed he said it's already. Packed at eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah, and when I said, "Can I call you back?" and he said, "I can't promise I'll answer. Yep. I don't know how busy we're yep. going to be." So, 
Yeah, look, and, and for places like that in the town where the college is, oh, yeah. right, those places are going to be packed. And they don't take reservations. So nope. it's first come, first serve. So if yep. you want to go watch the game in Ann Arbor, yeah, people were getting there at 8 a.m. Danielle says she's going to head out to Ann Arbor after the show just to see the uh, the chaos that's ensuing with people trying to get into these places. I would imagine it's going to be pretty busy. Oh, I'm going to be busy watching Are you going? Them. I might. You know, <laughs> just so people watch. Okay. I'm not well, gonna... let us know, will you? If will I you go. you text me? Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> that sounded very unsure. <laughs> Got to take a break. More next on JR Afternoon. Very exciting night for Wolverines fans. Michigan getting ready to take on Washington in the national championship game. Steve Courtney joins us to help break it all down. Stephen, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon to you there, my good friend Chris. Are you all right? Just breathe. I'm good. I'm good. Just breathe. Breathe. I'm good. I've been juiced up since about 545 this morning. But I know you have been. It's good. Uh, Let me just say our, our conversation that I've been looking forward to. Uh, brought to you by the Performance Remodeling Sweepstakes. Performance Remodeling, a preferred partner of the Inside Outside Guys, kicked off another $100,000 window of opportunity sweepstakes. Request your windows, roofing, and siding quote today. Log into windowsroofingsiding.com to enter the Performance Remodeling Sweepstakes. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be uh, quite a tilt there. Uh, as it stands right now, uh, Chris, your Michigan football Wolverines, a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, interesting to note, uh, this will be the first time since 2014 the college football playoff final will not will not have an SEC team. Uh, how are they letting this thing go on? I don't know. That being said, <laughs> uh, now here's the deal. Um you know, this Washington Husky team, which, by the way, they'll be in the Big Ten next year. They are bringing in the Joe Moore Award winners. You know what that is? They have the best offensive line in college football. So you go back to the tilt with Alabama. Michigan's defense, absolutely relentless. Sacking Jalen Milrow, you recall, six times total, five times alone in the first half. Uh, chances are better than not, Chris. They're going to have to work a little bit harder uh, to get the results that they did against Alabama. Uh, This Washington team, they have a chip on their shoulder. Uh, They have, under their fine head coach, Kalen DeBoer, they've been an underdog five times under his watch. They won all five games outright. They were a a nine-and-a-half-point underdog against Oregon in the Pac-12 championship. They were underdogs again against Texas. Uh, And here's the deal. Be very leery of a team that considers the fact that they're not getting any respect. And that's what this Washington team is all about. But rather fitting, isn't it, my friend? You've got two teams at 14-0, top-seeded Michigan, second-seeded Washington. This is pretty much the way it's supposed to be. It's the way it's supposed to be, at least this year. And and uh, look, this Washington team is legit. I, I will tell you that in 2021 and 2022, Michigan both uh, had the Joe Moore Award winners as the best offensive line in college football. And that got them two defeats in the college football playoff. Michigan's pass rush is really good. And they were really good last week against Alabama, oh. as you mentioned. Um, and and so if they can keep up that level of 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 pressure, um, advantage Michigan. And, and and look, here's where Michigan is going to 
to be able to, in my mind, control the clock is if you're able to put together some long sustaining drives, lean on your run game, you're going to you're going to keep Michael Penix Jr. on the sidelines. He threw for 430 yards last week against Texas. That's unsustainable to me. If if you're going to if you're going to throw for 430 yards, you better be blowing teams out of the water. And they still almost lost to Texas. So so th- th- this is a, a combination of Washington not having faced a defense like Michigan, while Michigan not having faced an offense like Wisconsin, like like Washington. And I think that's where the intrigue really it lies. Well, by far, uh, Michigan's top shelf defense facing a receiving core that they have not seen all year. Uh, you've got a Dunze and Polk, one of only four wide receiver tandems in FBS with 1,000 receiving yards each. I think what uh, Michigan is going to exploit, because I'll be honest with you, uh, Michigan runs the football, Chris, like no other college team I've seen in quite some time. It is their calling card. It is their job. And here's the rub. Washington's defense uh, has allowed 4.4 yards per carry to opposing rushers. So you tell me that uh, Mr. Corum and Edwards might not be able to exploit that. But, uh, you know, obviously a game of this magnitude, and we're not being cliche, turnovers mean the world. And, mm-hmm. you know, for that we bring in uh, Michigan special teams. Not good, not good at all against Alabama. Oh, you're being and, too kind. Well, all right, missed extra point, <laughs> missed field goal, a muff punt. You get what I'm saying. But, you know, this is Michael Penix Jr. The kid threw for 4,648 yards. 35 touchdowns, and he only threw nine picks. He takes care of the ball. So, um, you know, who's going to blink first? Is that what it's going to come down to? Yeah, very well. Steve, I'll tell you what. If Washington gives up four and a half yards of carry, that game will be over before it gets started. I mean, if they give up four and a half yards of carry, that would be – I mean, they would – Michigan would be gashing them on the ground, and it would open up things over the top – that that would be really bad news for Washington if the, if if Michigan was able to run the football like that. Well, and this has uh, been the question: uh, when Washington comes to the Big Ten next year, are they going to bring the Pac-12 defense? Yeah, I mean, not a good combination. No. So look, I think you're absolutely right, Chris. I think that uh, as we're sitting here having this chat, Washington's defense is going to have to play like they haven't played all year. There's there, there's no question about it. And I've stated in the past, and we we talked about it, lad, going into the Alabama tilt. You know, if Alabama was able to stop the Michigan run game, which they didn't because that memory serves, I think uh, Blake Corum had 118 yards in uh, uh, total offense. But, um, you know, J.J. McCarthy's ability to throw the ball, uh, you know, that was brought into question. And he passed that test as well. But uh, I, I'm just looking for a good tilt, and I, I hope everybody has a good time. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh. Oh. I just want everybody to have fun. Um, what do you think of, of tonight? Give me, give me your best guess here, Stephen. Well, again, uh, you know, I, I, I don't have a horse in the race. I, I still have some really good friends in Ann Arbor. Uh, and, you know, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. All right. Here, here's, here's my thought, right? I think Michigan gets a couple on the ground. I think Michigan gets a couple through the air. And I think Michigan wins it 31-24. I think they limit Michael Penix enough where 
he's not going to see the field as much as he had this year. And and I think Michigan wins the national championship 31-24. Crazy? Uh, no. I mean, uh, look, if, if that's what you feel, that's what you feel. I, I'm, I'm just interested. There was a point in his career, maybe you go back to his Indiana days, uh, where Michael Penix would take off. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just taking a look. Uh, at uh, the numbers from this season. Here's his rushing numbers. Ready? It is uh, 32 carries for 13 yards. There you go. But that's but that sack numbers, uh, you know, added in and, and all that stuff. Yeah, but he's, he, you know, he, he he's not the he, same he explosive runner as he was in Indiana. No, no, doubt. he is not. And, uh, you know, so that takes a dimension away from his game. Uh, and I don't know. It, it's certainly not to the point now where Michigan's defense has to be uh, concerned. You know, you want to contain him, obviously. Uh, but that being said, he is very accurate leaving the pocket. Yep. So. Uh, he is a very athletic and talent. I saw him up close and personally in East Lansing earlier. Uh, that was uh, back in September. I said this, this Washington team is good. Yep. And, uh, you know, here they are. Yeah, no doubt about it. Steve, thank you. Enjoy the game tonight. Have fun. Have a couple pops, and we'll talk tomorrow. You just relax, my friend. Take it all in. Breathe. It's going to be fun. Steve Looking Courtney. forward to it. Thanks, man. We'll talk to you tomorrow. All right, Michigan wins at 31-24. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Mitch Album, the crew, coming up next right here on WJR.